Section 11 of A Woman's Journey Round the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Piotr Nater. A Woman's Journey Round the World by Ida Laura Pfeiffer. Chapter 7. The Voyage from Valparaiso to Canton via Tahiti. Part 2. Before reaching Paya, we passed several interesting places, among which may be mentioned four, a small French fort situated upon a hill. Near Taipari it is necessary to pass between two rows of dangerous breakers, called the Devil's Entrance. The foaming waves rose in such volume, and to so great a height, that they might almost be mistaken for walls. In the plain, near Punavia, is a large fort supported by several towers built upon the neighboring hills at this point the scenery is beautiful the mountain range breaks here so that the eye can follow for a long distance the windings of a picturesque valley with black and lofty mountain olofena in the background delighted as i was however with the beauty of the objects around me i was no less pleased with those beneath our boat glided along over countless shallows where the water was as clear as crystal so that the smallest pebble at the bottom was distinctly visible. I could observe groups and clusters of colored coral and madrepore stones, whose magnificence challenges all description. It might be said that there was a quantity of fairy flower and kitchen gardens in the sea, full of gigantic flowers, blossoms, and leaves, varied by fungi and pulse of every description. Like open arabesque work, the whole interspersed with pretty groups of rocks of every hue. The most lovely shellfish were clinging to these rocks, or lying scattered on the ground, while endless shoals of variegated fish darted in and out between them, like so many butterflies and hummingbirds. These delicate creatures were scarcely four inches long, and surpassed in richness of color anything I had seen. Many of them were of the purest sky-blue, others a light yellow, while some, again, that were almost transparent, were brown, green, etc. On our arrival at Paya, about six in the evening, the young Tati had a pig, weighing around eighteen or twenty pounds, killed and cooked, after the fashion of Tahiti, in honor of his father. A large fire was kindled in a shallow pit, in which were a number of stones. A quantity of breadfruit, majore, that had been first peeled and split into two portions with a very sharp wooden axe, was then brought. When the fire had gone out, and the stones heated to the requisite degree, the pig and the fruit were laid upon them, a few other heated stones placed on the top, and the whole covered up with green branches, dry leaves, and earth. During the time that the victuals were cooking, the table was laid. A straw mat was placed upon the ground, and covered with large leaves. For each guest there was a coconut shell, half filled with meaty, a sourish beverage extracted from the cocoa palm. In an hour and a half the victuals were dug up. The pig was neither very artistically cooked nor very enticing, but cut up as quick as lightning, being divided by the hand and knife into as many portions as there were guests, and each person had his share, together with half a breadfruit, handed to him upon a large leaf. There was no one at our rustic table besides the officer, his mistress, the old tati, his wife, and myself as it is contrary to the custom of the country for the host to eat with his guests, or the children with their parents. With the exception of this ceremony, I did not observe any other proof of love or affection between the father and son. 
the old man for instance although ninety years of age and suffering besides from a violent cough was obliged to pass the night under nothing but a light roof open to the weather while his son slept in his well-closed huts on the fifth of may we left taipari with empty stomachs as old tati was desirous of entertaining us at one of his estates about two hours journey distant on our arrival and as soon as the stones were heated for our meal several of the natives out of the neighbouring huts hastened to profit by the opportunity to cook their provisions as well bringing with them fish pieces of pork breadfruit plantains and so on the fish and meat were enveloped in large leaves for our use besides breadfruit and fish there was a turtle weighing perhaps more than twenty pounds the repast was held in a hut to which the whole neighbourhood also came and forming themselves into groups a little on one side of us principal guests eat the provisions they had brought with them each person had a coconut shell full of meaty before them into this he first threw every morsel and took it out again with his hand and then what remained of the meaty was drunk at the end of the meal we had each of us a fresh coconut with a hole bored into it containing at least a pint of clear sweet-tasting water this is erroneously termed by us milk, but it only becomes thick and milky when the coconut is very stale, in which condition it is never eaten in these islands. Tati, with his family, remained here, while we proceeded to Papara, an hour's walk. The road was delightful, leading mostly through thick groves of fruit trees, but it would not suit a person with a tendency to hydrophobia, for we were obliged to wade through more than half a dozen streams and brooks. At Papara, Monsieur Blanc possessed some landed property, with a little wooden four-roomed house, in which he was kind enough to give me a lodging. We here heard of the death of one of the Tati's sons, of which he numbered twenty-one. He had been dead three days, and his friends were awaiting Tati to pay the last honours to the deceased. I had intended to make an excursion to the late Vahiria, but deferred doing so in order to be present at the burial. On the following morning, the 6th of May, I paid a visit to the hut of the deceased. Monsieur Blanc gave me a new handkerchief to take with me as a present, a relic of the old superstition which the people of this island have introduced into Christianity. These presents are supposed to calm the soul of the deceased. The corpse was lying in a narrow coffin upon a low bier, both of which were covered with a white pole. Before the bier were hung two straw mats, on which were spread the deceased's clothes, drinking vessels, knives, and so forth, while on the other lay the presents, making quite a heap of shirts, parillos, pieces of cloth, etc., all so new and good that they might have served to furnish a small shop. Old Tati soon entered the hut, but quickly returned into the open air, stopping only a few instants, as the corpse was already most offensive. He sat down under a tree and began talking very quietly and unconcernedly with the neighbors, as if nothing had happened. The female relatives and neighbors remained in the hut. They, too, chatted and gossiped very contentedly, and moreover ate and smoked. I was obliged to have the wife, children, and relations of the deceased pointed out to me, for I was unable to recognize them by their demeanor. In a little time the stepmother and wife rose, and throwing themselves on the coffin howled for half an hour. But it was easy to see that their grief did not come from the heart. Their moaning was always pitched in the same monotonous key. Both then returned with smiling faces and dry eyes to their seats, 
and appeared to resume the conversation at the point at which they had broken it off the deceased's canoe was burnt upon the shore i had seen enough and returned to my quarters to make some preparations for my trip to the lake the next day the distance is reckoned to be eighteen miles so that the journey there and back may be performed in two days with ease and yet a guide had the conscience to ask ten dollars two pounds for his services with the assistance of old tatty however i procured one for three dollars twelve shillings pedestrian trips are very fatiguing on tahiti since it is so richly watered that the excursionist is constantly obliged to wade through plains of sand and rivers i was very suitably clothed for the purpose having got strong men's clothes without any stockings trousers and a blouse which i had fastened up as high as my hips thus equipped i began on the seventh of may my short journey in company with my guide in the first third of my road which lay along the coast i counted about thirty-two brooks which we were obliged to walk through we then struck off through ravines into the interior of the islands first calling however at a hut to obtain some refreshment the inmates were very friendly and gave us some bread fruit and fish but very willingly accepted a small present in exchange in the interior the fine fruit trees disappear and their place is supplied by plantains taros and a kind of bush growing to the height of twelve feet and called oputu maranta the last in fact grew so luxuriantly that we frequently experienced the greatest difficulty in making our way through the taro which is planted is from two to three feet high and has fine large leaves and tubercles similar to the potato but which do not taste very good when roasted the plantain or banana is a pretty little tree from fifteen to twenty feet high with leaves like those of the palm and a stem which is often eight inches in diameter but is not of wood but cane and very easily broken it belongs properly to the herbiferous species and grows with uncommon rapidity it reaches its full growth the first year in the second it bears fruit and then dies it is produced from shoots which generally spring up near the parent tree through one mountain stream which chafed along the ravine over a stony bed and in some places was exceedingly rapid and in consequence of the rain that had lately fallen was frequently more than three feet deep we had to wade sixty-two times my guide caught hold of me by the hand whenever we passed a dangerous spot and dragged me often half swimming after him the water constantly reached above my hips and all idea of getting dry again was totally out of question the path also became at every step more fatiguing and dangerous i had to clamber over rocks and stones covered to such an extent with the foliage of the oputu that i never knew with any degree of certainty where i was placing my foot i received several severe wounds on my hands and feet and frequently fell down on the ground when i trusted for support to the treacherous stem of a banana which would break beneath my grasp it was really a breakneck sort of excursion which is very rarely made even by the officers and certainly never by ladies in two places the ravine became so narrow that the bed of the stream occupied its whole extent it was here that the islanders during the war with the french built stone walls five feet in height to protect them against the enemy in case they should have attacked them from this side in eight hours time we had completed the eighteen miles and attended an elevation of eighteen hundred feet the lake itself was not visible until we stood upon its shores as it lies in a slight hollow 
it is about eight hundred feet across the surrounding scenery is the most remarkable the lake is so closely hemmed in by a ring of lofty and precipitous green mountains that there is no room even for a footing between the water and the rocks and its bed might be taken for an extinguished volcano filled with water a supposition which gained additional force from the masses of basalt which occupied the foreground it is plentifully supplied with fish one kind of which is said to be peculiar to the locality it is supposed that the lake has a subterranean outlet which as yet remains undiscovered to cross the lake it is either necessary to swim over or trust oneself to a dangerous kind of boat which is prepared by the natives in a few minutes being desirous of making the attempt i intimated this by signs to my guide in an instant he tore off some plantain branches fastened them together with long tough grass laid a few leaves upon them launched them in the water and then told me to take possession of this apology for a boat i must own that i felt rather frightened although i did not like to say so i stepped on board and my guide swam behind and pushed me forward i made the passage to the opposite side and back without any accident but i was in truth rather alarmed the whole time the boat was small and floated under rather than upon the water there was nothing i could support myself with and every minute i expected to fall into the lake i would not advise any one who cannot swim ever to follow my example after i had sufficiently admired the lake and the surrounding scenery we retracted our way for some hundred yards until we reached a little spot roofed over with leaves here my guide quickly made a good fire after the indian fashion he took a small piece of wood which he cut to a fine point and then selecting a second piece he made it into a narrow furrow not very deep in this he rubbed the pointed stick until the little particles which were detached during the operation began to smoke these he threw into a quantity of dry leaves and grass which he had got together for the purpose and swung the hole several times round in the air until it burst out into flames the entire process did not take more than two minutes for our supper he gathered a few plantains and laid them on the fire i profited by the opportunity to dry my clothes by sitting down near the fire and turning first one side towards it and then the other half wet through and tolerably fatigued i retired to my couch of dry leaves immediately after partaking of our scanty meal it is a fortunate circumstance that in these wild and remote districts neither men nor beasts afford the slightest grounds for apprehension the former are very quiet and peaceably inclined and with the exception of a few wild boars the latter are not dangerous the island is especially favored it contains no poisonous hurtful insects or reptiles it is true there are a few scorpions but so small and harmless that they may be handled with impunity the mosquitoes alone were the source of very considerable annoyance as they are in all southern countries the eighth of may it began to rain very violently during the night and in the morning i was sorry to see that there was not much hope of its clearing up on the contrary the clouds became blacker and blacker and collecting from all sides like so many evil spirits poured down in torrents upon the innocent earth nevertheless in spite of this there was no other course open to us but to bid defiance to the angry water deity and proceed upon our journey in half an hour i was literally drenched this being the case i went on uncomplainingly as it was impossible for me to become wetter than i was 
On my return to Papara, I found that Tati's son was not buried, but the ceremony took place the next day. The clergyman pronounced a short discourse at the side of the grave, and as the coffin was being lowered, the mats, straw hat, and clothes of the deceased, as well as a few of the presents, were thrown in with it. The relations were present, but as unconcerned as I was myself. The graveyard was in the immediate vicinity of several murays. The latter are small four-cornered plots of ground, surrounded by stone walls three or four feet high, where the natives used to deposit their dead, which were left exposed upon wooden frames until the flesh fell from the bones. These were then collected and buried in some lonely spot. The same evening I witnessed a remarkable mode of catching fish. Two boys waded out into the sea, one with a stick and the other with a quantity of burning chips. The one with the stick drove the fish between the rocks, and then hid them, the other lightening him in the meanwhile. They were not very fortunate, however. The more common and successful manner of fishing is with nets. Almost every day Monsieur Blanc had visits from officers who were passing, accompanied by their mistresses. The reader may easily imagine that the laws of propriety were not, however, always strictly observed, and as i had no desire to disturb the gentlemen in their intellectual conversation and amusement i retired with my book into the servants room they too would laugh and joke but at least in such a manner that there was no occasion to blush for them it was highly amusing to hear monsieur blanc launch out in praise of the attachment and gratitude of his indian beauty he would have altered his tone had he seen her behaviour in his absence on one occasion I could not help telling one of the gentlemen my opinion of the matter, and expressing my astonishment that they could treat these grasping and avaricious creatures with such attention and kindness, to load them with presents, anticipate their every wish, and forgive and put up with their most glaring faults. The answer I received was that these ladies, if not so treated and loaded with presents, would quickly run off, and that, in fact, even by the kindest attention, they never allowed themselves to be influenced very long. From all I saw, I must repeat my former assertion that the Tahitian people are endowed with none of the more noble sentiments of humanity, but that their only pleasures are merely animal. Nature herself encourages them to this in an extraordinary manner. They have no need to gain their bread by the sweat of their brow. The island is most plentifully supplied with beautiful fruit tubercles of all descriptions and tame pigs so that the people have really only to gather the fruit and kill the pigs to this circumstance is to be attributed the difficulty that exists of obtaining any one as a servant or in any other capacity the most wretched journeyman will not work for less than a dollar a day the price for washing a dozen handkerchiefs or any other articles is also a dollar four shillings not including soap a native whom I desired to engage as guide demanded a dollar and a half a day. I returned from Papara to Papeiti in the company of an officer and his native beauty. We walked the thirty-six miles in one day. On our way we passed the hut of the girl's mother, where we partook of a most splendid dish. It was composed of breadfruit, mangoes, and bananas, kneaded together into a paste, and cooked upon hot stones. It was eaten while warm, with a sauce of orange juice. On taking leave, the officer gave the girl a present of a dollar to give her mother. The girl took it as indifferently as if it were not of the slightest value, and her mother did exactly the same, neither of them pronouncing one word of thanks or manifesting the least sign of satisfaction. 
we now and then came upon some portions of the road the word of public offenders that were most excellently constructed whenever an indian is convicted of a crime he is not chained in a gang like convicts in europe but condemned to make or mend a certain extent of road and the natives fulfil the tasks thus imposed with such punctuality that no overseer is ever necessary this kind of punishment was introduced under king pomare and originated with the natives themselves the europeans have merely continued the practice at punavia we entered the fort where we refreshed ourselves in military fashion with bread wine and bacon and reached our journey's end at seven o'clock in the morning besides papara i visited also venus point a small tongue of land where cook observed the transit of venus the stone on which he placed his instruments still remains on my way i passed the grave or murai of king pomare i it consisted of a small piece of ground surrounded by a stone wall and covered with a roof of palm leaves some half decayed pieces of cloth and portions of wearing apparel were still lying in it one of my most interesting excursions however was that to fantawa and the diadem the former is a spot which the indians considered impregnable but where nevertheless they were well beaten by the french during the last war monsieur Brouat, the governor was kind enough to lend me his horses and to allow me the escort of a non-commissioned officer who could point out to me each position of the indians and french as he had himself been in the engagement for more than two hours we proceeded through horrible ravines thick woods and rapid mountain torrents the ravines often became so narrow as to form so many defiles with such precipitous and inaccessible sides that here as at thermopyle a handful of valiant warriors might defy whole armies as a natural consequence the entrance of fantawa is regarded as the real key to the whole island there was no other means of taking it than by scaling one of its most precipitous sides and pressing forward upon the narrow ledge of rock above so as to take the enemy in the rear the governor monsieur Brois, announced that he would confide this dangerous enterprise to volunteers and he soon had more than he could employ from those chosen a second selection of only sixty-two men was made these divested themselves of every article of clothing save their shoes and drawers and took no other arms save their muskets after clambering up for twelve hours and incurring great danger they succeeded by the aid of ropes and by sticking pointed iron rods and bayonets into the rock in reaching the crest of the mountain where their appearance so astonished the indians that they lost all courage threw down their arms and surrendered they said that those who were capable of deeds like this could not be men but spirits against whom all hopes of resistance were out of the question altogether at present there is a small fort built at fantawa and on one of its highest points stands a guard-house the path leading to it is over a small ledge of rock skirted on each side by a yawning abyss persons affected with giddiness can only reach it with great difficulty if indeed they can do so at all in this last case they are great losers for the prospect is magnificent in the extreme extending over valleys ravines and mountains without number among the latter may be mentioned the colossal rock called the diadem thick forests of palms and other trees and beyond all these the mighty ocean broken into a thousand waves against the rocks and reefs and in the distance mingling with the azure sky near the fort a waterfall precipitates itself perpendicularly down a narrow ravine 
unfortunately the bottom of it is concealed by jutting rocks and promontories and the volume of water is rather small otherwise this fall would on account of its height which is certainly more than four hundred feet deserve to be classed among the most celebrated ones with which i am acquainted the road from the fort to the diadem is extremely fatiguing and fully three hours are required to accomplish the journey the prospect here is even more magnificent than that from the fort as the eye beholds the sea over two sides of the island at the same time this excursion was my last in this beautiful isle as i was obliged to embark on the next day the seventeenth of may the cargo was cleared and the ballast taken on board all articles to which the french troops are accustomed such as flour salted meat potatoes pulse wine and a variety of others have to be imported Note up to the present period tahiti has produced nothing for exportation and therefore all vessels have to clear out in ballast the island is important to the french as a port where their ships in the pacific may stop and refit End of note. i felt extremely reluctant to leave and the only thing that tended at all to cheer my spirits was the thought of my speedy arrival in china that most wonderful of all known countries we left the port of papeiti on the morning on the seventeenth of may with a most favorable wind soon passed in safety all the dangerous coral reefs which surround the islands and in seven hours time had lost sight of it altogether towards evening we beheld the mountain ranges of the island of Huaheme, which we passed during the night the commencement of our voyage was remarkably pleasant besides the favorable breeze which still continued we enjoyed the company of a fine belgian brig the rubens which had put to sea at the same time as ourselves it was seldom that we approached near enough for the persons on board to converse with each other but whoever is at all acquainted with the endless uniformity of long voyages will easily understand our satisfaction at knowing we were even in the neighborhood of human beings we pursued the same track as far as the philippine islands but on the morning of the third day our companion had disappeared leaving us in ignorance whether she had outsailed us or we her we were once more alone on the endless waste of water on the twenty-third of may we approached very near to the low island of penchin a dozen or two of the natives were desirous of honouring us with a visit and pulled stoutly in six canoes towards our ship but we sailed so fast that they were soon left a long way behind several of the sailors affirmed that these were specimens of real savages and that we might reckon ourselves fortunate in having escaped their visit the captain too appeared to share this opinion and i was the only person who regretted not having formed a more intimate acquaintance with them twenty eighth of may for some days we had been fortunate enough to be visited from time to time with violent showers a most remarkable thing for this time of year in this climate where the rainy season commences in january and lasts for three months the sky for the remaining nine being generally cloudless this present exception was the more welcome from our being just on the line where we should otherwise have suffered much from the heat the thermometer stood at only eighty one degrees in the shade and ninety seven degrees in the sun today at noon we crossed the line and were once more in the northern hemisphere a tahitian sucking pig was killed and consumed in honour of our successful passage and our native hemisphere toasted in real hock on the fourth of june under eight degrees north latitude we beheld again for the first time the lovely polar star 
on the seventeenth of june we passed so near to saipan one of the largest of the ladron islands that we could make out the mountains very distinctly the ladron and marianne islands are situated between the thirteen degrees and twenty one degrees north latitude and the one hundred and forty five degrees and one hundred and forty six degrees east longitude on the first of july we again saw land this time it was the coast of Lukovia, or Luzon, the largest of the Philippines, and lying between the 18 degrees and 19 degrees north latitude, and the 125 degrees and 119 degrees east longitude. The port of Manila is situated on the southern coast of the island. In the course of the day we passed the island of Babuan, and several detached rocks, rising colossus-like from the sea four of them were pretty close together and formed a picturesque group some time afterwards we saw two more in the night of the first to the second of july we reached the western point of luzon and entered on the dangerous chinese sea i was heartily glad at last to bid adieu to the pacific ocean for a voyage on it is one of the most monotonous things that could be imagined the appearance of another ship is a rare occurrence and the water is so calm that it resembles a stream very frequently i used to start up from my desk thinking that i was in some diminutive room ashore and my mistake was the more natural as we had three horses a dog several pigs hens geese and a canary bird on board all respectively neighing barking grunting cackling and singing as if they were in a farmyard the sixth july for the first few days after entering the chinese sea we sailed pretty well in the same fashion we had done in the pacific proceeding slowly and quietly on our way to-day we beheld the coast of china for the first time and towards evening we were not more than thirty-three miles from macao i was rather impatient for the following morning i longed to find my darling hope realized of putting my foot upon chinese ground i pictured the mandarins with their high caps and the ladies with their tiny feet when in the middle of the night the wind shifted and on the seventh of july we had been carried back one hundred and fifteen miles in addition to this the glass fell so low that we dreaded a typhoon which is a very dangerous kind of storm or rather hurricane that is very frequent in the chinese sea during the month of july august and september it is generally first announced by a black cloud on the horizon with one edge dark red and the other half white and this is accompanied by the most awful torrents of rain by thunder lightning and the violent winds which arise simultaneously on all sides and lash the waters up mountains high we took every precaution in anticipation of our dangerous enemy but for once they were not needed either the hurricane did not break out at all or else it broke out at a greater distance from us for we were only visited by a trifling storm of no long duration on the eighth of july we again reached the vicinity of macao and entered the straits of lema our course now lay between bays and reefs diversified by groups of the most beautiful islands offering the series of most magnificent and varied views on the ninth of july we anchored in macao roads the town which belongs to the portuguese and has a population of twenty thousand inhabitants is beautifully situated on the seaside and surrounded by pleasing hills and mountains the most remarkable objects are the palace of the portuguese governor the catholic monastery of guia the fortifications and a few fine houses which lie scattered about the hills in picturesque disorder besides a few european ships there were anchored in the roads several large japanese junks 
while a great number of small boats manned by chinese were rocking to and fro around us End of section 11.